Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. What an exciting series this has been for me. I hope you've been getting something out of this um, this series called uh, Vices and Virtues. We've been walking through Colossians, mainly chapter 3. Together, I invite you to turn there this morning. Everyone in their Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be for, uh, for this entirety of the service. Um, we'll, we'll be hopping a few verses here and there as well, but our main text will be out of Colossians chapter 3. And as you turn to Colossians chapter 3, there were two brothers who were playing. One was five and the other was two. A two-year-old reached up and yanked his brother's hair. He screamed in pain and his mother came rushing in. He told her what his brother had done and his mother said, he's only two years old. He doesn't know what it's like to have his hair pulled and left the room. A few minutes later, she heard another scream. And as she entered the room, the two-year-old now was crying. She asked the older child what had happened. He said, you said he didn't know what it felt like. Well, now he does. (laughs) Two brothers. Loving brothers. But one really wanted to care enough to show the other what it was like. If anybody has an older sibling the media team with me? If anybody ever had an older sibling, you know what it's like sometimes to have love for one another, but sometimes you just don't like them. If you're ever in a situation where, you know, they don't know what it's like, and you're like, well, I'm going to show them. You know, we as human beings, we are like this sometimes with the world, are we not? Today, I, 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 as that mother in that story probably wasn't very amused by that way of allowing that brother to discover pain. Today, I want to talk to you about embracing breakthrough virtues. Embracing breakthrough virtues. Now, one of the toughest things in life, if you would... Uh, Think about this for a moment. One of the toughest things in life is to understand how other people's process and how other people rather process pain and opposition in life. Sometimes it's hard for us to identify how people process pain because everybody processes it a little differently. Some show emotions, others do not. Without relating to them, we often have a hard time, watch this now, forgiving people. If you, like me, have been hurt by someone at some point in your life, you know it's not easy sometimes to forgive someone that has hurt you. Now let me get your attention for a moment. Because there's not a single person in this room or listening to me right now that has not been hurt by someone. Whether it's something someone has done purposefully, whether it's something someone said intentionally or by accident, there are times that we just feel hurt. And that is a human emotion that we cannot escape And here's the kicker, you ready? God doesn't want you to escape it. He wants you to understand the feelings that he feels because he felt them first. You feel disappointed today? Guess who felt disappointed at the garden? He felt it first. Something didn't go like you wish it would have went? Get in line. 
the deity felt it first. Know what it's like to love someone that doesn't love you back? Wait for it. The deity has felt it first. So let's not get into this idea that somehow you're the first and only person to ever feel hurt by someone. Nor will I stand here and preacher explain some sort of situation to make you feel bad for feeling bad. Because feelings are real. And I won't discount that or discredit that by any stretch. But here's what I will do. I will realize that, that I am accountable to my own actions. And the feelings that I feel are indicators, not dictators of my life. The way that I feel will not determine how I respond to God. If I don't feel like praying, do I pray? Yes. Twice as hard. Why? Because your flesh doesn't want to, so you have to, you have to beat your flesh into submission. The spirit has to win that one. Because if we only did what we knew and liked to do, many things wouldn't be completed today. Is that true? So I want to talk to you about breakthrough virtues that are shared in Colossians chapter 3 together. Two things that really need to stand out here that need to happen when we're processing pain or other people's pain, family members, friends, or our own, when we're processing these things, there are two things that need to happen in order for us to be um, virtuous in that circumstance. Now, what do you mean by virtuous? Here's what I mean. We've been talking about vices and virtues, right? Vices are those things that cling on to our lives and keep us bound to our past and or our failures. Raise your hand if you get it, right? Vices. Like, for instance, for some of you that know tools, there's a, there's a tool called a vice grip. You, when it clings on, it locks there, and you can lock it there, and then you can do what you need to do with it, right? Why? Because it locks there. And, and think about sin in our life. When it locks onto us, it's a vice. It's something that clings itself to us, and it doesn't easily want to let go. You need to understand that. Some vices in our life don't come off easily. And then there are virtues. Virtues are those things in our life that allow our character to glorify God in proper structure. That is to say, in a biblical mindset, in a biblical attitude. So how many of you have ever been proud of yourself because someone said something and you held your tongue and you didn't say what you really wanted to say back? Raise your hand. Come on. You can be proud for just a moment. Just go ahead. Lift your hand and be like, I did. I did. I had 16 things I could have said, but I said one thing. Lord bless her. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Raise your hand. Be proud for a single moment. I'll give you one moment. Right? Some of you are like, mm -hmm. I could have said a lot of things. Right? You've been there. Right? We've all been there. But here's the thing about virtues and vices in our life. Every day, you can build one or the other. Every day of your life, you're building virtues or vices in your life. Every day, you're adding and attributing strength to one of those things in your life. You're either giving strength to the vice that is clinging to you, causing untold damage to your spirituality and your, and your walk with Jesus, or you are allowing virtuous decisions to build virtuous character. How do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, we read that um, just a, a few weeks ago. And we're kind of building on that, and we're going to jump to the next verse in just a moment. But the first virtue I want to kind of bring to the surface is humility. Virtue number one is humility. Humility. Most people believe that humble people are categorized as a group of people who allow bad things to happen to them without any recourse. 
Humble people allow themselves to be punched in the face and walked all over and then say, I'm not going to be that person. Humility is so much more than that. Humility, while defined as a modest view of one's importance, again, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Not thinking less of yourself, not diminishing the character of God in you, not diminishing the person of God in you, not diminishing who God has called you to become, but thinking of yourself less. You humble yourself and you gracefully allow another person to receive or another person to get. Parents, you know what it is like to be humble to some degree, you know, and gracious. You know, when there's a portion of a food and, and, and your children need it, you give it up. You, you go without. Parents understand that. I would rather go without than have my kids go without. I'll give them the larger pieces, the larger portions. There's a lot of things that parents, kids, you don't even know what your parents have given up for you. And blindly, you just move on. Parents, you know. But you don't keep record of that because that's part of the job. In the same manner, there are times that as believers, we have to be the grown-up in the room. Hello? Hello? We have to be the ones that have a standard that the world does not understand and they will probably never truly understand. Humility is actually a sign of strength and a solid foundation for life. So we come nearest to the king when we're walking in humility. If you want to write this down, that's a good one to write down. We come nearest to the king when we are walking and humility. There's a, there's a sense of understanding the character of God when we're walking in humility. For those of you taking notes, we're going we're gonna to put the house lights up a little more so you can see. But I want you to take notes. I want you to write it down if you feel comfortable writing it in your Bible. If you feel comfortable writing it in the leaflet of your Bible or the front of your Bible. Write down some of these thoughts because when we are, we are at our best when we are humbled before our King. How many believe that? True humility is intelligent self-respect, which causes us to not think so highly of ourselves. It makes us modest by reminding us how far we've come in Christ Jesus, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. True? There has never been, let me make this clear, there has never been, nor could there ever be, a greater example of humility than Jesus Christ. Not a single person. Though he lost none of his divinity, the Son of God was pleased to take upon himself a true body and a, soul, and a, and a, and a, and a body that was beaten and broken so that your soul would spend eternity with him. That's the loving God we serve. His humility... For the earth, earth uh, in the ministry that he had with his disciples was accessed because of his love and humility toward his man and love and faithfulness to the Father. He's right now praying for saints. Did you know that? Did you know that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you? Did you know that he wants you to succeed? Did you know that we live in a world where the world thinks that God wants you to fail? Because we're so wrong. And, and so the world sees us and they say, man, Christians always talking about sin. They're always talking about, think, no, and I want to be very clear. No, we're not. I watch podcasts from certain churches. They don't even want to talk about the devil. Because it might turn somebody away. It might cause someone to not want to come to church. Can I tell you, we got to preach the whole gospel. You know what that means? That means you messed up, I messed up, we all jacked up. Come on, somebody. So if you want to talk about truth, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how the Western culture, Christianity in America, we're probably the least humble of all. Christians around the world. You don't have to agree with me, but I have the microphone. 
We are so full of ourselves, there's no room for God. Why is the world so full of people that are full of themselves? Well, we we as a nation have been blessed by God for sure to be a nation that underwent the biggest test that any nation has ever went and freedom reigns in this nation. We have the freedoms that other nations do not. Because of that freedom, we feel entitled. Everybody say entitled. And because of that entitlement, sometimes we find ourselves in positions where we're not even, we're so entitled that we don't even have to answer to God. Can I tell you something? Proverbs is very clear. God's grace will be extended to those who are humble before him. God's grace will be extended to who? Those who are what? Humble Humble before him. We live in a world that's not humble before him or us or anybody in that matter. Now, this is not to pick on the world or the church. We have to expose the vices so we can bring about the virtues that need to be brought So allow me to tell you that we often lose our handle on what God is doing because we have something clinging to us that's a vice. And you know what that vice is? Pride. Pride. That is in a lot of ways, in a lot of people's perspective, the opposite to humility, right? Pride is very much something that eats away at the person that has it, and yet the person that has it may be the only one that doesn't know he has it. You see, humility gets God's attention in a world that is widely proud of everything. We have a month dedicated to pride. But one day for our veterans, one day for our servicemen and women, Can I tell you something? We need to be very careful how proud we are of what we're proud of. And I want us to be very clear. God offers grace to the humble. And so one of the the breakthrough things we need to hold on to as Christians, look at me now, is humility before God and man. We need to be humble. We are some are the most sarcastic individuals. Can we stop this? Can we stop being so sorry? Oh, they know I'm just kidding. They go home and they're hurt. People are hurt. We have to be a little bit careful. Listen, I love laughing as much as the next guy. I will crack jokes as much as... If you watched our bowling last night, you too would laugh. Nine. <laughs> Only those guys that went last night understand what that is. If you watch us bowl, you realize God has a sense of humor. If you watch us rag on each other a little bit, God has a sense of humor. But you know what's also there? Encouragement. Hey, great job, man. Get, you'll get them next time. That tenth one. <laughs> How many of you ever threw a ball right down the middle and got nine? Mathematically, that's not possible. It's supposed to knock them all down. You did your job. But I, I'm going to pull back for a moment, get back to the text. You realize very quickly that no matter how perfect you line up, listen, you can line up everything in life perfectly We all fall short of the glory. And nine reminds us that we all fall short. We all fall. And last night there was a lot of Romans 3.23. A lot of falling short. A lot of Romans 3.23. 
We had a good time, though, man. Didn't we have a great time? Wonderful time. But for those of you that got a higher score than me, God's grace will be extended to those who are humble before him. Okay? Mark that in your Bible. I'm going to wear a shirt that has that verse next time I go bowling. I'm going to put that puppy right in the back. Virtue number one is humility. Virtue number two, forgiveness. The other one is, dare I say, forgiveness. Pastor, close the sermon immediately. I don't want to forgive anybody I don't like. Because we love to be angry and have the feeling of victimhood as long as we can so we can hold on to the very thing God has asked you to let go of. And we'll make excuse after excuse. Forgiveness means different things to different people, but essentially it's the intentional decision to let go of resentment and anger. Listen, it's not, listen, here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not mean the other person gets off the hook. That's not the definition. The definition is an intentional decision to let go of resentment and anger. You know what that means? That means I'm not going to let you live rent-free in my mind. I'm not going to allow your pain and your lashing out at me and your way of dealing with life affect me so I release that back into the atmosphere where it belongs, not in my mind, not in my heart, not in my soul, not in my spirit. I won't allow it. Who's with me? Forgiveness doesn't mean the other person's right. The other person's right. Forgiveness means you're free. And so what we have to understand is that when Paul talks about here in, in Romans, excuse me, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 here in just a moment, because we talked about 12 last time, and I talked about how God, uh, Paul listed out these things, and God wants us to walk in these things. Forgiveness is what we're talking about, and when we look at forgiveness, we look at Jesus, right? How he forgave us. How many are grateful for that? Yes. Okay, 12 of us. And so, what we're realizing is that that the forgiveness of God, that seems a little too lofty. How many realize that when we look at forgiveness, to have Jesus be our example, is a little, it feels a little bit unfair. So let's go to two other individuals. The first one being Joseph. Here's a man who was rejected, kidnapped, enslaved, in prison, and then forgotten by those he helped. And yet, even after he had the power to punish the very people that betrayed him, he was still merciful enough to repay them with kindness. Second example, not just Joseph, but we also have Moses. Here's a man who had just been obedient to God's call and all the while dealing with thousands of complaining, whining, ungrateful people coming out of Egypt. Miracle after miracle wasn't enough. Went to the top of the mountain to receive the greatest download any downloader has ever gotten. The Ten Commandments. God was about to download tablets before the iPad, before the Etch-A-Sketch was the Ten Commandments. Some of you said, Etch-A-What? Ask your mama. The greatest download mankind has ever received, and it wasn't the latest iOS for your Mac. It was the Ten Commandments. Moses went up on a mountain to get this download, and you know what they did downstairs? What most kids do downstairs when the parents are upstairs. Got themselves in a whole heap of trouble and created Did you ever walk into a room where your child created something? Look, Dad, what I made. 
dear heavens. God help me. I saw this video the other day. My skin, I felt every hair in my skin go, oh my goodness. This child was kneeling in front of a sofa. A leather sofa. And with all their colored pencils, stuck them in a line all the way across the leather couch. The person walked up with the camera. What are you doing? The kid went. A black leather couch. Beautiful black baby leather. Beautiful smooth leather. Colored pencils. Dug in all the way across the leather. There probably was 26 of them. I said to myself, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you that that didn't happen to me. How many are grateful when you see something online that says, thank you, that that, that didn't happen to me? I don't know where I was going with that point. But it bothered me. But in all seriousness, what happens when you leave your children? You got pencils and leather and bad things. Moses was on the mountain getting the greatest download, and this is what was happening at the bottom. You know what Moses did? Moses said, God, forgive them. Forgive them. Because if you kill them now, everybody that said that you would bless them or believed and heard that you would bless them are going to think you're a liar. And I know you're not a liar, God. So spare them. And bless them. And God listened to Moses. And didn't wipe them out. Forgiveness. It's available. So how do we act toward people who treat us differently or worse than anybody else or poorly? So allow me, let me read Colossians 3.12 and then I'll read Colossians 3.13. Ready? Therefore God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The metaphor that is in this text, in this verse, has to be put on then, right? It's that idea of put on this garment. And we talked about that last time, right? If you didn't, uh, if you weren't here last time or that message, go ahead and look that up. Uh, the last time I preached last week, we had the revival services, and Pastor Jamie did a wonderful job. It was the week before that. Go back to the to that particular message and watch how I uncovered that. But it can't be stressed enough that the truth is that believers are God's chosen people, yes? And so let's move on to verse 13. It says this. Everybody, look at verse 13. If you can look in your Bible or look up at the screen, bear with each other. And forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Now listen, he's not talking to the world. Church, look at me. He's talking to believers. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to those who claim to know who the Messiah is. Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says, you have a responsibility if you love me, this is Jesus. If you love me, you will love your neighbor as you've loved me. You will love your neighbor as you love yourself. You will forgive them because I've forgiven you. Does that mean that you forget? That's another issue. But he doesn't require you to forget. He says he forgets. As far as the east is from the west, so are your sins for me. And, and his desire is that we would be able to operate freely without bitterness in our heart. 
See, because just like humility has pride as its adversary, forgiveness has bitterness as its adversary. And it's very easy to walk in bitterness when someone hurt you. Nod your head if you agree. You agree with that? It's very easy for us to walk in that bitterness, and that's not what God is asking you. So the encouraged action here as we look at this verse is bearing with one another. How many of you ever had to bear with somebody? Okay, let me be more, let me be more specific. How many of you tolerated someone at work or some other place, not church because we're all perfect, but let's just pretend for a moment, right? It's nice to pretend. But bearing with one another means that, you know, while you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, you do something I don't like, I'm going to go ahead and hang in there. I'm going to stand strong. And in fact, the verse, uh, verse 13, the Greek word for bearing actually refers to forbearance. Now watch this. That word means to stand tall, erect, and even under the weight of the rest or the rest. That it means to say Bearing one another means kind of the way that that uh, pillar in your basement holds the wall up. How many uh, have been to a basement or have a basement and you have a load-bearing wall or a load-bearing pillar that kind of is in a place that if you move this thing or remove it, how many know that you may not exist any longer? Okay. Right? So that's a load bear in case, just real clear. The thing will not like you and crush you to smithereens, right? Because that is a load bearing. So here's what, here's what Paul is saying to the church of Colossae. He's saying this. Stand tall and hold the weight of one another. The duress and the stress you have to be there when they can't do it. You with me? So there are times that even in this church as a body, there are times that things have to be done and I call upon someone and say, hey, would you help us with this project? Would you help us with this project? And when it's a project that's bigger than me or bigger than my understanding, I call upon those individuals that I may think can handle that sort of thing. And what does that do? That allows them to step in and hold the weight. Are you with me? Bear one another. But then there are situations in each other's lives that you, you encounter someone that genuinely loves Jesus. But what they're going through is too heavy for them. What they are enduring at this moment is beyond anything they could ever imagine. So here's what I'm, I'm trying to propose to you today. That what if the virtue that God is asking us to do and asking us to walk in has to do with helping somebody else discover who Jesus is? What if humility and forgiveness doesn't just benefit you? What if humility and forgiveness helps somebody else come to Jesus? What if in some way, shape, or form, when you bear with each other and forgive one another, if you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What if we stop talking to other people about how one other person hurt us? Instead, why don't we go right to that person and say, can I talk to you for a moment? I'm not real good at saying this, so I'm just going to tell you, what you said the other day hurt my feelings. And I don't want to carry that anymore. And I don't want to be angry at you anymore. What you said hurt me. But I forgive you. But I needed you to know because I don't want to carry that for the rest of my life. What if we could be a church that can talk like that to each other? Instead of tiptoeing around and trying to figure out 
well, maybe I don't want to offend. And, and If you live in offense, every day of your life, you will deal with pride. I'm going to say that a little more clearly because some of y'all need to hear this. If you live in offense every day of your life, in other words, if you are constantly offended by what people say around you, if you're constantly, look at me, if you're constantly at a place where you get offended all the time, guess what? There's a possibility that it's not the other people. There's a possibility that you have a pride issue and you feel like you deserve the something more. By golly, gee, goodness gracious, I deserve more than this. That was very weird. I will not do that again. Okay. You follow what I'm saying though? Like you, if you live angry every day of your life and offended, if you live in a constant state of offense, not only is that painful because I've, I've fallen on offense before and the fence hurt. But if you live in offense all the time, guess what? It may not be the other person anymore. It may possibly, just possibly, may be you. And the pride that is trying to keep and stay around. Pride is a nasty, nasty disease that God is trying to rid us of. And pride and arrogance and feeling like we deserve, we deserve, we deserve hell. By the, by the nature of what we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and everything we did in our life, we deserve hell. That's a real place and a real reality. But God, because of Christ and what he did on the cross has opened up a whole new opportunity for us to come to him. We're going to turn around and in that grace, get mad at other people for saying something dumb with all that God has forgiven us. Now listen, again, I'm not downplaying how someone hurt you. What I am downplaying is that it doesn't affect you. It does. And it will. And the two breakthrough virtues that are talked about in this verse right here is bearing one another, forgiving one another, and caring more about what God thinks than what man thinks. The verse goes on to say, if any of you has a complaint against one another, you know what he's saying? Deal with it. Don't ignore it. Work through it. Don't ignore it. Your hurts and complaints, they may be legit, but it is not more stronger. It is not stronger than the bitterness and pride that will wreak havoc on your spirituality. Look at me, you will not grow in your faith if you carry around pride and bitterness, which is the direct vices that are found in this verse because they're the opposite of what he said to have. Forgiveness and humility. You're humble enough to care about somebody else's life more than your own a little bit. So, Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. How many of you remember the movie Star Wars? I mean, like Star Wars. Anybody like Star Wars? I love the Star Wars movies. It got really weird, and I didn't like Jar Jar, I'll be honest with you. It was real strange. But the Star Wars thing, anybody know what I... Well, in Empire Strikes Back, there was a scene that some of you may remember, and it was when Luke Skywalker is... uh, 
training with Yoda, and he's struggling to believe that he can complete a task, right? He's struggling, and he's, you know, he's trying to lift this sinking ship out of the swamp, and when he tries, Yoda replies with the now famous line right here, do or do not, there is no try. Was that sufficient for you? Yeah? You, I think. The truth of that still remains today. Stop trying and do it. Decide intentionally to do it. While this is a sci-fi People could still identify with the idea of someone just telling you, stop trying and just do it. Same thing with me. Sometimes people tell me, I try to get out of bed and go to that Bible study. I try to get out of bed and go to church. I try to get there on time. I try to stop trying and just do it. That's the biggest problem we have today. People, they would try. Try means what? You opened your eyes? What? You breathe. What does that mean? Too often believers are like Luke when it comes to approaching forgiveness as well. However, God always says to forgive. The forgetting part, let him work with you on that. He never required that. But he did require for you to forgive. Colossians 3.13, bear with one another, forgive one another. If any of you has grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's the verse for today. And we realize this thought as I close, and I'm going to share this story as I close. Here it is. Ready? Our media team could help me out. Everyone listen closely. Let me get your undivided attention. Following the Civil War, Robert E. Lee was visiting in Kentucky where one lady showed him the remains of what had been an enormous old tree. The tree stood directly in front of her house. She bitterly cried to General Lee of how its limbs and trunk had been shattered by the federal artillery fire that was taking place. Having poured out her anguish, she looked at the old soldier to start condemning the North, and following the brief silence, General Lee responded, Ma'am, cut it down and forget about it. Well, it's better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to take root and affect your future. Now listen, it's not always as simple as cutting down a tree and forgetting about it. Again, I'm not downplaying, but here's what I will say. There are times we hold on to things and tell that story over and over again putting us in a place where we can never heal properly because we continue to live in a circular idea. This thing happened over. And that cyclical idea of forgiveness in some way, we kind of hold on to that. And God's word says, I will remember your sins no more. And as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions. So here's my final thought. Are you ready? Here's my final thought. How does your experience of grace shift how you treat others? How you experience grace, hear me, how you experience grace in your life should affect how you affect and effectively minister as a person of faith. Amen? It's true. It's true. That unforgiveness, how does that grace that God gave you affect how you treat others? Because every day you're building your vice or you're building your virtue. You with me? How many realize that vices are real? Virtues are real. But Christ is the ruler 
of all things. Hear me. When you experience the grace of God in your life, you have to realize that that same grace that he's bestowed upon you, it's a pass along. You pass that along to somebody else. You don't hold it and harness it and and just like, I don't want anyone to ever be forgiven like me. I'm the only one that's been through pain. I'm the only one that's going through struggles. No, guess what? Someone's going to cross you and you're going to have to give them grace too. And he's forgiven us so much that yes, it's going to happen over and over again. But greater is he. Amen? How many are grateful for the grace of Jesus Christ in our life? Amen? Nisa, come and share this thought. I'm going to have Nisa come share a thought for you. Um, I had a dream, and it's so connected to what he's preaching. I felt like I needed to share it. I'm not going to share the specifics of the dream because it's a moot point. I just want to share what it was because I feel God wants you to understand the importance of what he's saying. In the dream, basically, prideful saints were hidden in plain sight, taking out the people among us. Pride causes death. Now, we're not going to go around with machine guns shooting each other. But your words that continue to carry either the pride, the offense, the unforgiveness are like arrows that kill people. Sometimes you can maybe not even say and talk about the offense in your heart. You may not even be bringing the situation up, but yet that offense lives in your heart and it still comes out in the spirit, still comes out in the attitude, right? It's catchy. Bitterness, offense, pride, unforgiveness, it's catchy and it's deadly. And I felt like I just needed to share that because it hides in plain sight and yet it is deadly. And I just want that importance to be known. The other side that I also felt was that our pride keeps us from sharing our needs with other people. It says, oh, I don't want to bother that person. Jesus was humble himself. Jesus allowed people to wash his feet. Jesus allowed John the Baptist to pray for him. Jesus was humble who is God. We need each other. And we, if we are struggling, you are holding back from the body of Christ to be a blessing from you. You are holding back the ability. See, when we share our weaknesses with other people and say, yeah, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, you've offended me. You may not be happy with yourself that that happened, but be humble enough to share it so you clear it out. Be humble enough with yourself to say, I am struggling, brother, please pray for me. Because I find that every time I'm vulnerable and I'm humble myself, it opens the door for someone else to do the same thing. One, to be a blessing, to see that God works through them. Also, for them to be able to be humble enough themselves to share what they are. If we stay and live separate and do not share and allow each other to bear one another's burdens, we're going to die on the vine. It causes death. You shut off the life flow that God wants to go through the believers. I just, it, it was so significant and t- connected to what you're talking about. I had to share that and maybe the visual will help it stick so how many are grateful for that word that's that's good stand to your feet if you would Sammy come one way that you can experience grace and share grace is through life groups we have life leaders that are all over the place um and raise your hand if you're a life leader this, this, this semester. We have life leaders. We have, we have Howard and Ernestine. We have Clark and Sherry, Debbie. Um, we have some others that are starting groups. You'll see that all in the back. But Sammy, before we close here, um, there are different groups that are starting this week. And then all the groups will start down the line. 
Why is it important for each of us in light of what we just heard to join a life group? Well, one of the sayings I've, as I've been studying even about the importance of life groups is that sometimes circles are better than rows. And when it comes to really building connection and we're here on Sunday mornings and it's really easy to just come in and, and, and pour out and worship and receive the word and all of those things. But then it's real easy to just walk right back out the door and not have really made any conversation or build any relationship because of just the element of a Sunday morning. That's the importance of a life group is that that's where we can do exactly what Nisa just said. It's, it's the importance of being able to build relationship enough with someone to be able to trust and be vulnerable and have them do the same and have that relationship around a circle, a small circle. And so uh, we're excited to relaunch. We took a break over the summer, but right now as we're getting ready to just burst right into the fall, we want to give you that opportunity to build relationships with a small group of people of like-minded believers. We can all find a circle somewhere. You can find a circle in a bar. You can find a circle through sporting events. You can find a circle anywhere, but this is a circle of people that are going to uphold you in prayer. They're going to be discipled. You're going to do life together and, um, and have that encouragement in the body of Christ. So that's, it's super important. And um, before you leave today, our life group leaders that are present today in the building, they're going to hang out at the table right in front of that connect wall. Our sign-up sheets are available feel free to go on over. Check out the times and the, and the locations. We have all different nights of the week. We have one in the um, on Wednesday mornings. So find one that you're able to, to make and meet our leaders and then um, and go ahead and sign up before you go. Thank you so much. So life leaders can go ahead and go out, meet them at the table back there as soon as you can. Uh, and then when, you're, when you exit the sanctuary, go take at least go take a look at it. I want as many people as possible. You say, well, I don't have a lot of time. Listen, you make time for what's important, right? And if you can't make every week, you can't make every week. But be a part of a community somewhere that's building life uh, opportunities together. And let me tell you something. You could meet somebody that will bless your socks off at one of these life groups. So stop by the back table. We have some amazing groups, um, new groups and former groups and good leaders, phenomenal leaders. And Sammy oversees all those life groups. So if you have any questions about life groups, locations, and all that, see Sammy, but all that's in the back. Lord, bless this day and all that we're doing. And I pray that your hand will be upon us. And I pray that, Lord, each of us would be a part of taking part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.